welcome to Craft, Design, Edit, Sleep, Repeat with hosts Lisa Conway and Nikki Jensen. Listen as we take a deep dive into the business of fiber craft design. Hi, Nikki. Hi. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Good. And how is your mid-April weather? It is unbelievable. We had about three days of spring, and now it feels like summer. Oh, you're kidding. (laughs) Yeah. We had like three days of spring, and this week we've had six inches of snow. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We've got temperatures in the... 20s Celsius. I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. That's um, actually around 70 to 80, I think, ish. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. been warm. I'll, that That is summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's that's July 4th for us. Yeah. Right? I, that's the I, only time we get like above 70. Yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting that for early April. (laughs) Well, Nikki and I were trying to come up with an idea for today's episode. And Nikki very nonchalantly typed in to one of those uh, idea websites and it got us to thinking the big topic of conversation right now is AI and using AI in businesses. So we thought it was a good time to hit this subject now while it's hot and people have lots of questions. Right, Nikki? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And and so my question to you is, what is AI? <laughs> Well, you know, that was kind of a confusing thing. I know that it stands for artificial intelligence, but when you start researching it, one of the things that really got me was they would intermix AI and ML. And it was like, so what is ML? So I literally had to Google, what is ML? Well, ML is machine learning, which is what is the basis or the underneath aspect of all of this AI that we've been talking about, because what they're doing is getting machines to learn how to respond to these questions. And whether we know it or not, we've actually been using it for years, because if you own an iPhone or a Mac of an Apple product and you use Siri, you're using AI. If you have an Alexa, you're using AI. If you have one of those Google, what do they call them? Google Dots? Oh, I don't know. I've heard of the Google Home. Oh, Google Home. That that may be what I'm thinking of. Um, Yeah, that's AI. When you say, hey, Siri, you're activating AI. So the basis is machine learning. It's the machine learning how to respond. So that's, you know, kind of what AI is in, in its core form, if that makes sense. I'm not sure I fully understand it even (laughs) myself, but 
So the next question that we really were wanting to dig into, and Nikki had some really great answers, so I'm going to ask her, let our listeners know what AI is not good at. Well, the TLDR on this one is no, AI cannot replace a pattern designer at writing knitting patterns for you. It's just not there yet. Um, and I don't know whether it ever would be. Um, it can write patterns that sound like knitting patterns, but so far they don't really result in anything particularly useful. Um, Operation Hilarious Knitting Disaster was a group project that started in 2017 by an AI expert and the Knitters of Ravelry who were trying to teach AI how to write knitting patterns. And if you go on Ravelry, you can see the hilarious results of these patterns that AI wrote that people then went and tried to knit themselves. So what they found and what I've noticed in my research is that AI really depends heavily on the input it's given in order to generate a useful result. And it takes a lot of time and practice to learn how to write effective inputs. It also seems to focus more on the language aspect and not pay adequate attention to the math that's involved in a knitting pattern. And the, uh, the Ravelry project, which is known as Skynet, um, found that AI was able to generate more useful results when it was fed patterns with only very, very basic shorthand instructions to learn from. As in, um, like maybe a cowl or a shawl versus a garment, or what did, where did they have any success at all? Um, I or think did it, they have any success at all? <laughs> well, uh, I didn't see any wearable garments. They mostly were small, um, kind of freeform, lacy uh, swatches that were that they were able to produce. Um, it would have to be very specific, like knit four, bind off three, that kind of thing, rather than a mix of math and descriptive instructions that you would see in a typical knitting pattern. Okay. I know the same thing happened with crochet. Mm -hmm. um, in, in looking, I, I ran across some YouTube videos of people that had attempted to crochet these things from uh, AI-generated crochet patterns. One was supposed to be a hat, and it was this really long strip with one little, like, mountain hump of stitches on it, and that was it. There was no, in the round, there was nothing. It was hilarious. There was one uh, um, yarn geek did a live video with her watchers where they were talking about um, chat GBT, and this is a recent video, by the way, where she was talking about having gone to chat GBT and generated this crochet pattern for a Christmas stocking. And it had her crochet a circle that was by no means uh, flat <laughs> or even rounded. And then she said if she'd have followed the next set of instructions, it had her do the heel on one side of that circle and the toe on the other. And then it <laughs> said it was done. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And neither one of them would have would have created the correct shape. Yeah, yeah. 
I, so uh, <laughs> it's, it's really, the results are hilarious. Yeah. We'll put some in the show notes of, uh, some, some examples of things that people have tried to make. They're really funny. Uh, I used any word to try to generate a knitting pattern just to see what would happen. I had originally asked for nine sizes, but it like could not compute and asked me to change my prompt. Um, so I ended up writing it in, in five sizes that I wanted. I gave it measurements and the instructions actually looked really convincing. But when I tried to tech edit it, the math did not work at all. I've never laughed so much at a spreadsheet. The collar was 20 inches long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the measurement that I gave for the sleeve circumference ended up being used as the armhole depth. So now I've got a 10 to 15 inch long armhole depth. And the stitch counts for the sleeves and body just turned out tiny, tiny. So at best, this might create a halfway decent sort of template that you could start filling in the math from yourself. But at this point in time, it just doesn't seem to know enough about knitting to work out the correct stitch counts and grading. When I asked any word to t- to do me do a knit pattern, I didn't even specify multiple sizes. I just said, you know, give me a, a knitting pattern for a raglan pullover. That was that was the entirety of my instructions to it, and it actually came back with five sizes. Oh, wow. But as you said, the math <laughs> was just where it had the, it, you insert the sleeves just was completely off. And I, I didn't even really go into tech editing it because you could see that it really didn't have a body. You should try it later. <laughs> You'll probably have fun. And uh, I read a blog post by uh, Jenna. Jenna, put it Jenna Sargent, um, yeah. where she tried to tech edit a pattern very similar, and uh, yeah, she got she got very similar results too. <laughs> yeah, like basically a neck and no sleeves. That one was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's. We know that it, it's not very good at generating patterns. No. <laughs> it just, it, oh, guys, try it. It is so funny. <laughs> it, it really is hilarious. <laughs> but did we find anything that it is good at that might be useful in a craft business? Actually, we did. Um, one thing that AI can, and machine learning can do for us is help to compile our information into one place if if just like with you going out and searching for ideas for our our podcast it can help us trigger that brain dump that we need um and it can bring your ideas into a more cohesive pattern there was a really interesting article on that uh, at prowritingaid.com. And I will link to that because it's worth reading because it really helps you figure out how to use AI in your business. It can also help with generating advertising copy. 
And when we get to talking about some of the different places you can go to use AI, I'm going to come back to that idea a little bit. Um, but idea generation, uh, compiling your information, it can also help with summarizing your information. So if you have written this long piece of advertising copy and you know that it's too much for the space that you're going to have on your pamphlet or what have you, you can use AI to shorten it, to, to <laughs> break it down into its base elements. So it's really good at that. You could even take a blog post that you've written and use AI to condense it down into a social media post, for example. Yes. Yes. Excellent. That, that's the summarizing aspect of it. So there's some really good things out there that AI can help us with. So this leads me to some websites that I found. Um, and I know that you've found a, a few as well. Um, so what types of websites are available and, and where, where can people go? Yeah, so there are a whole bunch of these, and most of them are, I believe, based on the chat GBT in the background, and they've kind of geared them toward different uses. Um, for example, pseudo-write is one that we found that's for writing fiction, but it's really neat because it can it can help you to change the the mood of your writing, and I'll get into that a little bit more. Um, AnyWrite and Copy AI are other examples that can help you with copy, write, or writing copy. Okay. So, um, and you, you talked about ChatGBT being the basis. I'd like to point out here that ChatGBT is actually an open source. Mm -hmm. So what that means for people who aren't in the tech world is open source is where they have a way for lots of different programmers to put their input, their coding into a bigger picture. So let's, I'm going to stray here just a little bit. Linux is an open source operating system that was created to kind of counter all of the uh, issues that they were having with Windows, which is a mainstream for-purchase operating system. Okay, when we go and buy a computer, we buy one with either Windows or the Apple operating system. And Apple has always been proprietary, and Windows has always been connected to specific hardware. Well, Linux wanted to break the pattern of Windows being that general, you know, go-to operating system. So hundreds of thousands of programmers contributed to that operating system. And it's used very successfully by even businesses still today, totally for free because nobody's charging for it. Well, ChatGBT is the same. 
it was open source with lots of different programmers and different experts contributing. And these other places are pulling that into their systems and using it with specific parameters like pseudo write. So that gets really deep into the technical of it. Sorry, guys. But I do want you to understand why ChatGBT is the base for all of this. It's because hundreds of thousands of people have contributed to that code. And that's, that's why it can be a foundation. And anybody can use it for free. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like that's become the foundation for any sort of, um, because the, the prompts need to be so specific, people have written user interfaces for specific types of uses yes. on top of the, the base of ChatGBT. Yeah, that's, that's a really good explanation. It's, it's the user interface that other people have written and layered on top of what ChatGBT does underneath to actually create the the words and I'm also going to point out here we've been really focused on writing but AI can be really good for art generation as well and I'm going to hit on that a little bit more later too because there's a really specific aspect of that that's interesting Mm -hmm. so in our research what types of apps, you know, applications that we can actually put on our computers or our tablets, have you found that can be used for AI? Well, one that I've been using for a while in my tech editing business is Grammarly um, because it includes a spell check, grammar check. Um, You can, it can help you with the wording and voice um, and choosing your audience um, in your writing. Um, so quite often when I get a pattern from a client and it's a PDF, my PDF writer or reader doesn't allow me to spell check. So I copy that pattern into Grammarly and I can spell check that way. One thing I notice though is you do have to be a bit careful with that. It's not perfect. I noticed um, the last time I used it that it missed things like an extra space or a closed parenthesis was missing and Grammarly didn't pick up on those things. So even a task like that doesn't replace a human editor, unfortunately. That's well, that's fortunately. So true. <laughs> that yes, fortunately for us. <laughs> yeah. um, it also can't check any of the math. That's right. And the and quite frankly, the math is one of the biggest potential errors that we find, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's, uh, and there are others besides Grammarly. Uh, um, when I was actually taking my tech editing course, I found a site for, uh, it was actually designed to look for plagiarism, mm. which I found really interesting too, because, and very helpful because it helped me in my, in my writing prevent from accidentally plagiarizing when I was doing research type reports. So you can do a search for plagiarism um, check and find it. I, it's been so long since I've used it, I'll have to really dig to find the link, but I'll try. 
Um, another app that I have noticed is advertising new AI components is Notion. And Notion is a productivity app, okay. kind of like Evernote. And I did a bunch of research, oh, probably about a year and a half ago, um, looking for ways to keep track of all of the little pieces of my business, right? My, my client contacts and, and my business contacts and, and my ideas and, and my marketing information. And Notion kept coming up over and mm -hmm. over again because you can literally use it like a brain dump and then have the app help you move things around and put them into an organized list of things you need to get done or ideas that you need to create videos or podcasts on and things like that. I have not used Notion, but I know that they're advertising a lot right now for uh, using AI and, and AI being added into that, their app. Interesting. I'd be curious to try that and see how it would, how it would help a, a business like mine. I'm always looking for the next like little tool that's going to streamline things more. I think you have to be a slightly different type of thinker to use Notion because it is very stream of consciousness type. And then you have to re help get it reorganized into the way you way you need it. It's a very big app. It's it's a very powerful app. But I think there's a really strong learning curve. Um, I ended up instead of going with Notion, I went with one called Infinity, and it's kind of similar to Trello, but not. Trello is more streamlined in many ways, but Infinity has recently come out with AI, and I haven't played with it yet. So that's another one. Um, what else have you found? Well, I when I was researching for the podcast today, I tried out PseudoWrite, and that one was really fun. If you ever feel blocked when you're trying to write, for example, your pattern romance, trying to create a descriptive, evocative type text, I think you'll really like PseudoWrite. You can ask it to rewrite your text using a variety of different criteria. You can make it more descriptive, more concise, more emotive, more visual. And you can even click on individual words to see options for replacing them. So you can use it as a like a built-in thesaurus as well. Um, so that one was really fun to play with. And I could see that definitely being useful in pattern writing. Oh, I definitely am going to have to check that out because writing my romance is the hardest part. Oh, always. Yep. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a technical writer. I'm not like a flowery writer. So I feel like this could be really helpful for that. I think that you and I are very much the same in that. I was always really good at research papers, but don't ask me to write anything uh, that was fiction. Yeah, yeah, you know, same here. Research papers are my thing. 
And Mm -hmm. I've got one of my three kids that is a really good fiction writer. And it was really hard for me as a homeschool mom helping to encourage that because I'm not good at it. So I always have tried to surround them with people that helped with that aspect. Mm. You know, I I deliberately went out and, and looked for places and things that we could do that would help generate those and support those talents. Um, the other one I found was Canva. And mm. Canva, it, we almost, how, how many of us use Canva to help generate our Instagram posts and our Facebook posts and all kinds of other, I mean, ad copy and and they're really they're not they're not limited to just the writing AI either. They're actually utilizing um, the art AI as well. So they're adding a whole bunch of new features right now, and it's really worth taking regular looks because from one week to the next, right now it's changing mm-hmm. and improving. And that was one of the places I ran into the summarizing because you can take your blog post, put it into Canva, and it'll summarize it into, like you said, an Instagram post or um, an ad copy for a pamphlet. And, and it did such a wonderful job of distilling and bringing it down to just base points. It was... And it'll do the opposite as well. You can give it a prompt and say, I need five points in this area. And it will give you ideas for those five points. Now, you still want to edit. Excuse me. You still want to read it very, very carefully and make sure it says exactly what you want it to say. But wow, what a great brain boost. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I tried something similar with copy AI. I said, you know, give me five, um, give me five questions about technical editing and it gives you five. And then, and then you can build, you could build a blog post about that. Like you could say, you know, top five things that people are asking about tech editing. There's your blog post. Um, so it just, um, again, you do kind of, you still are going to have to write the blog post yourself, but it get, it gets those ideas flowing. Right. And I think that's one of the best places to use AI right now is to get the, the ideas formulated in such a way that you then can add your voice to it. Mm-hmm. And that even just that can save a lot of time. Um, I played around on Canva as well. Um, they have uh, options to use the AI for creating Instagram posts. So you can say, I want to create an Instagram post and it'll give you a bunch of templates to choose from. It'll ask you for your colors. It'll ask you for um, your your style. Like, do you want a modern style? Do you want a classic style, minimalist style? And so it, I can see how that would save time over you know going through all the templates that they have and choosing one and picking your colors one at a time Um, so that that I think is something that I would definitely use in a 
in my business to save some time on uh, on creating posts. I, I think that the um, release posts for this episode is definitely going to be a place for me to play and spice things up a bit. <laughs> yes, I love that idea. Because <laughs> I, I, I just do this generic thing, so... Um, well, it's so funny because I, when I was playing with copy AI, I just put in the keywords knitting and artificial intelligence, and it comes out with AI is a hot topic this year, and there's a lot of confusion about what it is, how it works, and how to use it. So we thought we'd help you out with some tips for using AI in your business. And I was like, wow, I could just say that on the podcast and I'd be good to go. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. What a great, we should have used that as our opener instead of mine. (laughs) (laughs) But that's where it sort sort of started to go off the rails because it says, we're talking about a future where machine learning and deep learning will soon be able to help you knit your way to success. Let's take a look at how artificial intelligence can help you with your projects by creating patterns for you automatically and helping you find the perfect yarn and recommending the perfect color. I'm like, well... That's not true. It sounds compelling, but <laughs> <laughs> it I think it believes it can do more than it can. It seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um we haven't quite gotten to the point where it's thinking for itself. I'd love to have that kind of confidence though. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. I I definitely am going to have to play with some of these some more because I I we came up with this idea and I, it was like in the middle of all of this other stuff. So I did my research, but I didn't have time to really sit down and play. And I really want to sit down and play. And and that was what I found almost right away. There's a learning curve to it. And, and the more practice you get with creating prompts for the AI, the better results you're going to get. So you do have to take your time and play with it. Gotcha, gotcha. That's that's a good a, a good suggestion for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I have a question for you about um, what what might there be, what might be legal issues with the use of AI. That was something that really surprised me when I was doing my research. Is coming across an actual video on YouTube that talked about copyright and the use of AI. Now, this was related to AI-generated artwork. So I'm going to put this big disclaimer. A, neither one of us are lawyers. (laughs) B, while this was... While I, I see that we need to do more research on the writing aspect of the copyright, this was a good video on how the U.S. Copyright Office is looking at this. And the, the U.S. Copyright Office has actually issued rules on generative AI that basically says that AI-generated artwork is not copyrightable. The artist still needs to make modifications to that artwork that is large enough modifications to show that the artist has contributed. 
So they're judging each piece based based by piece by piece, case by case, and saying, no, this artist hasn't contributed enough. Yes, this one has. So if you've generated artwork or if you've generated, say, a book at PseudoWrite, and you've gone in and rewritten where it didn't work, that might still be copyrightable. But the base work that you created is not. So anything that was generated by the AI could still be used by anyone else. So in other words, they could put in the same prompt, get the exact same generative material, and then they would have to change it for their purposes and with their words and with their art to make it copyrightable. So it's really important that we understand that if we generate a blog post, for example, and someone else ends up copying that blog post, but we haven't changed it, there's nothing we can do about it. That's complicated. Yes. And not every country has even addressed this yet. <laughs> so this is based on U.S. copyright law. It's, And I don't know what other countries are saying yet because a lot of them haven't even fully addressed it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you had AI generate a blog post for you and you didn't change anything about it and you published it, it would, you know, it would look like you published it first, it's yours, and the next person who publishes something similar would look as though they had plagiarized. But if they just put the same prompts in and got the same result as you, then that's exactly. not plagiarism. And, and even if they out and out copied your blog post, because you didn't put any of your voice into that, mm-hmm. it would not be considered plagiarism because it wasn't individual to you. And that's basically what the U.S. Copyright Office is basing their decisions on. That makes sense. It does make a lot of sense because it means that you can't claim the work that the the computer did. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And it, it was a really interesting video. I will link it in the show notes, which can be found on my website at arcticedits.com. Or if you want these show notes in your inbox, go to newsletter and sign up for the, the show, show notes newsletter and you will get an email for every show with all of the links right there in front of you, which I don't talk about often enough. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> yes, you, you can actually get them right in your inbox, which is really nice. But this was a really good video and really, I mean, he very specifically says, I'm not a lawyer. I, I This is just what I've read, and how I interpret it. And the very top comment was, I am an attorney, and you have done a fabulous job of distilling down what the copyright law states 
and how it's applied. So it's really, even though he's talking about artwork, artwork versus writing, I think that it probably applies to both. Mm-hmm. And if I were to actually dig into U.S. copyright, I would probably find that it states the same. I just, I don't even know where to go to dig into it. To be honest, <laughs> I need to contact Denise and Randy and see what Randy ha- has to say on where say I can that. find it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Harkening back to our, our episode with, well, your episode with Randy. I wasn't there yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, Randy w- was a really great is a really great resource. Um, Denise is getting ready to have surgery though. So I held off even thinking about contacting them because everything is kind of wild and crazy because this is a pretty mm-hmm. scary situation right now. Um, sure. it, it's, it's without going into detail, this is a big deal and mm-hmm. I want them to be able to focus on her care and not think about me of course <laughs> if that makes sense yeah other than knowing that I'm there for support moral support but do watch this video because I think it's really worth digging into more mm-hmm. so now that we've talked about what AI is what we think it's good at what we think it's bad at what is our overall feeling about AI what would we recommend well As a tech editor, I would not recommend using AI to write pattern instructions at this time. It can fill in some of the basic elements, but it just doesn't have enough knowledge of how knitting works to be able to write something that actually works. Um, But again, I think that's always evolving. I think it is constantly learning from the input that it gets so we may see you know in a year in five years who knows maybe it will start writing knitting patterns for us Um, but I definitely recommend playing around with some of these GPT interfaces to see which ones can be useful for your craft business because I learned about several that I'm going to use myself yes I I agree um I definitely recommend playing with them and getting familiar with them. Whichever ones, if you've been using Canva, go in and play with their new AI and figure out how it might benefit you and your marketing and your content. Um, Take the time and don't just take the time right now and say, okay, well, this works and that doesn't. Because, like Nikki said, it's constantly evolving. So in a month from now, what it's good at may have improved. And what it's bad at may have improved. We don't know how fast it will evolve. The more people that use it, the more it, it learns, the better it's supposed to become. And, and so we don't know. There was one other... Um, topic that will be in the interesting reading on the show notes that I really want to talk about. In 2019, there was a big deal for about a week of a study that MIT was doing where they were trying to build an AI where you could upload a photograph of a knitted item 
and it would then send write the pattern and send that pattern to a knitting machine, a commercial knitting machine, and it would knit the item and then you would receive it. So basically you would then get a custom made item. And for about a week, it was big news. And then it just kind of has disappeared. And I have a couple of thoughts about that because it's worth reading and, and, and listening to what they were trying to do. One, what happens to not copyright, that's not the word I'm looking for, patents, for example, or, you know, it, it would allow a person to take a picture of a sweater at a high-end boutique, upload that sweater, and order it to their specifications. And there's legal ramifications to that that I don't know that they were thinking about at the time. And two, how were they managing sizing and, you know, all of those aspects, the math of it. But they were trying, and it's worth keeping an eye out to see if they ever succeed, and if so, what the legal ramifications become. Are we going to move even further away from the storefront and do all of our clothing shopping online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read about that one as well. And I thought it looked really interesting. Um, of course, it, it didn't seem to, it didn't seem to be creating hand knitting patterns, which obviously is my personal interest because right. I'm not a machine knitter. Um, but it, it was interesting to see how it could um, take, take the photo of the stitch pattern because we know that commercially knit um, garments can, ha can have, you know, cables and color work just like hand knitting. Um, so that was really cool. But yeah, like you, I couldn't find any follow-up from no. those few articles that came out at that time. I so hunted I and hunted and hunted, and there was absolutely nothing past August 10th, I think it was, of 2019. Yeah, so they just... And so <laughs> it was like, boop, and now it's gone. So I don't know what's happened with this, but um, it was kind of interesting because they were fairly successful in creating some knitted items from this. And I know that the way commercial knitting patterns are written for, for these machines still takes a lot of human intervention. And they have to be both a knitter and a programmer, basically, to understand the process, mm -hmm. which was rather interesting. So... It really tweaked uh, how does this play out in the long run question for mm -hmm. me. But that, that does follow what we learned from the Skynet project where they had to really get it down to very specific shorthand type inputs 
much like what, you know, like a, like a machine would use rather than the more descriptive uh, type patterns that hand knitters use. Exactly. Exactly. And that was, it was specifically designed for commercial knitting machines, which are different from in-home knitting machines, which you can still find. Mm -hmm. They're a lot hard. Funny story. Back in the 80s, I actually, well, up until 2009, I had a knitting machine. Ooh. And um, in the early 80s, I did custom one-of-a-kind designs for people with that knitting machine. That was kind of where I was at at that time. Because I was a hand knitter, but I also used the knitting machine. And knitting machines were huge. They had big conventions, just like you have fiber festivals, that was nothing but knitting machine-related items. Oh, see, I was wondering if you meant huge like popular or huge like took up a lot of space in your home. <laughs> nope, they were they were a big deal, and they were wow. very, very um, popular. And so to have them completely disappear, I mean, there's no longer any manufacture anywhere they are you cannot find them manufactured new except for the the circular ones like mm -hmm. the addy centro i think it's called mm -hmm. or um there is a plastic one that's still made and i can't remember who makes it but they're you they're really hard to find and these were metal and they came in different gauges, and you could get them with or without rivers. Um, mine was electronic, so it would do all your color lace patterns electronically. Wow. Um, cables still had to be hand manipulated, but everything else could be done electronically. I even had a special electronic uh I can't think of the term. Isn't that terrible? Anyway, it would sit on the main bed and it would do uh, knit pearl patterns all on the main bed instead of having to hand manipulate to do um, anything beyond rib. Rib could be done with the, the river bed, but if you wanted a stitch pattern that used both knits and pearls, like a seed stitch, for example, you had to use this electronic uh piece that that ran itself back and forth on the bed and it manipulated the stitches because for every rib stitch it had to um manipulate that stitch three times mm. that sounds like a lot of fun to play with though I have one and of those <laughs> I, I, I kind of miss it I yeah. kind of miss it yeah, I have I have one of those centros, but it's very very basic. It makes a tube. It does that well. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even really do the things that a, a good circular sock machine would do. Mm -hmm, that's right, and so, they're not durable at all because they're completely plastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, so AI is is really fascinating all the things that it does i do have one question for you um in your research you ran across 
TLDR, and you even used oh. it earlier. What does that mean? Oh, I'm so sorry. TLDR means too long, didn't read. It's kind of the... <laughs> It's kind of a, a current way of saying long story short. <laughs> Sorry about that, Lisa. <laughs> I'll bet you any one of my three kids would have known that. But... <laughs> they, yes, they would. <laughs> I, I don't think of myself as being like up on the times at all. I just turned 38, but... <laughs> There's a big difference between 38 and 62. <laughs> I know. I, I just as as I was referring to my 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 speaking notes, I just noticed your little comment, and I was like, "Oh shoot, I should have replied to that." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this this has been really an interesting topic to dig into, and I'm sure as time goes on, we'll be digging into it even more. The yeah. show notes, like I said, have a lot of links that we're not coming co commenting on in detail. Um, with articles and things that we ran into, um, like we mentioned, Jenna Sargent's uh, tech editing of pattern generated with chat GBT and uh, a gen uh, chat GPT generated crochet patterns and some of the other things that we ran across that, that really were um, just really interesting things, but maybe we could didn't have the time to read in detail so please either go to the show notes on my website or go and sign up for the newsletter so that you can get those in your inbox and if you have a specific request to receive these show notes and miss them do feel free to email me at knitdesignedit.com at gmail.com and I will send you these in particular because there's a lot of links in here guys with stuff that's really worth reading nikki thank you so much thank uh, you lisa i hope that uh, you have a great weekend and um i'll see you on monday thank you you too Come back next time when Nikki and I talk with Paul Hazemeyer, knitwear designer and theater customer from Canada. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen. And join the conversation in our Ravelry or Facebook groups. For technical editing, find Lisa at arcticedits.com and Nikki at handknitsandhuga.com.